Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Hello, HPA members. Welcome back to our podcast. Have you thought about making a career move over the past few years, or are you looking to this year, early next year? We have an exciting webinar in October coming up about career transitions. All the registration info will be in the show notes, and we are very lucky to have one of the panelists on the show today. Our guest has worked as a recruiter for executives and boards for the past 19 years. She has led talent evaluation initiatives for success planning in the C-suite and on boards of directors. She's recruited for top executives for a wide range of companies. She's a popular public speaker, often discussing leadership roles for women, advancing one's career, and being prepared to succeed in the boardroom. She is currently a client partner at Coulter Partners, our guest is Nona Foots. Nona, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christina. So glad to be here. I'm excited. I feel like everyone's going to learn a lot. So audience, get your pen and paper out for sure. So before we begin, tell us a little bit about your experience and background and culture partners as well. Absolutely. And I did a breath intake when you said 19 years because I thought, <laughs> my God, where has 19 years gone in my career? But I have been in executive search and executive development, leadership development for 19 years. And I actually had a career even before that. But first, I'll talk to you about Coulter Partners. We're an executive search firm. We are 100% dedicated to recruiting leaders into healthcare and life sciences companies. So that's everything from biotech, pharma, medtech, med device, digital health, consumer health, healthcare services. And we recruit around the world. We have 135 employees in all the major markets. And on an annual basis, we recruit anywhere from 400 to 450 executives into wow. all types of companies, privately held, publicly held, backed, large cap, small cap, micro cap. It's, it's been a great 19 years in the field. I've been with Coulter Partners five years, and I was with two other recruiting firms before Coulter. And then way back when, I started my career in technology. I was in business development and sales and general management for Xerox Corporation. Oh, having experiences with all of those companies across the spectrum that is so impressive and then even the technology background because especially in healthcare there's so many new biotech and technology companies yeah. that are up and coming I saw a post on LinkedIn saying something like if you were laid off from your your tech company pharma wants you so it's an exciting mm. kind of landscape but also very hard to navigate at the same time it is it's vast it's I love the fact that you saw that on LinkedIn because that is a fact. Pharma, if you come out of IT technology of any type, 
pharma does want you. And that's a new thing. And there's so mm-hmm. many new things in healthcare. It's hard to keep track. It really is. And it, it's a lot mm-hmm. of work to stay on top of everything, your resume, looking for knowing what opportunities are out there. So I'm really excited to have you on because I think building these partnerships and saying, I can't do this alone. I want to look for a company like yours. I think it just, it makes so much sense. Good. Yeah. So what interested you? Did you know about the Healthcare Business Women's Association before? What is your HBA background? So my HBA background is all in the U.S. And I've been secretly, let me reveal, I'm also (laughs) a Canadian, grew up and started my career in Canada. But I actually pivoted into the U.S. many years ago. I've been working in the U.S. now for a very long time and works globally. So I didn't know HBA existed in Canada yet, but my affiliation goes back to the New York, New Jersey chapter. And the reason I even joined HBA was because of networking. And it sounds like such a simple thing. And we all know how important networking is. And we join all kinds of different groups throughout our career. And HBA was one that was targeted in my industry. This was the idea of making sure that I knew where all the good talent was in the healthcare and life sciences industry. Now, HBA to me has become even more important because Gone are the days of only the in-person conferences and in-person events and the wine and cheese events and everybody's (laughs) in a name tag and everybody's walking around trying to get to know each other and you hate to be by yourself in those events. Like those are passe now. It's a different platform. We do get together in person now, but less, of course, than we did before. So networking has taken on a new definition. And I think HBA gives us somewhere to go as women in healthcare who are trying to advance our careers. And it's still a very active organization, highly engaged, highly relevant on both sides of the border. And so I always feel like the HBA community is just one that it's a go-to community for me. It's an engaging, contemporary, modern, if you will, place for women in healthcare to connect. I'm sitting here with the biggest smile on my face because I feel the same passion for HBA, which is why I'm on the board. I do the podcast because you're absolutely right. HBA has that global factor into it. And it is, it's, that's so unique to be able to have those conversations. And like you said, that virtual element, especially now, and I'm sure you'll be talking to this, but it's exciting with the amount of, I don't even know how to, to quite say this, but companies are hiring not in their backyard anymore, right? I see job that's posting- right. And you can be remote. And so it's definitely exciting. But then also, again, adds that level of, I would say, complication or maybe just sort of that that added layer of how do I navigate this? Yes, that's the key. That's the navigation now. Because Hmm. how do we do that behind the screen? And it takes a new set of skills and nuances in order to do it right and do it effectively and still maintain your standing in your career, but also to advance your career. And how do you do that when you're sitting in your home office versus being at those in-person networking events? So that's really been a major shift in Mm -hmm. how we leverage our network. Absolutely. And so let's dive into some of these questions. But actually, before we dive in, like I I mentioned that we're going to be doing our career transitions workshop. So if you can give the listeners a little sneak peek into maybe what you're going to be talking about and bringing to the table and some of the breakouts, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think we're going to get quite 
tactical, if you will. It's always nice to hear theoretically what's happening in the marketplace. What is the buzz that's out there right now? And we'll definitely address several of them. Everybody knows about the great resignation (laughs) chatter that was out there. Everybody knows that this is a new era. We're never going to go back to the way it was. I think everybody now gets that. What we want to be able to do is get hands-on and figure out, so what do I have to do? Do I have to have a LinkedIn profile? What does it need to look like? Does my resume look like? Should I wordsmith that thing to death? (laughs) What is a bio versus a resume? Who should be my mentor? What about coaching? Is that something I should do? Should I have a resume service? Create a resume for me? Where are my network? Like all of these things are starting to come back into people's mindsets because Mm -hmm. people are looking for their next move whether it's for the next move in the next month or the next year or the next three to five years. And so retooling everyone to figure out how do I navigate this new landscape when I still want to advance my career? What do I do? That's what really what we're going to focus on so that there's some tactical takeaways where we don't have to just think about, yeah, theoretically that sounds great and maybe I'll make a change in a couple of years. There are things you can do right away to advance either in your current role or if you're looking for a new one. So we're going to focus mostly on those tactics when we do the session. Oh my gosh, that is exciting. And that's reminded me to go and sign up. It's like, it's nice to talk about the theory. I say that I love the whys, but generally we all know the why. It's how do you implement that? Or how do you make the change? Like you said, what is your next step? And I think that's where the struggle comes in because it can be very overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. For those people who are looking to make a change, what is the market like right now for professionals looking to either change careers, maybe even get into healthcare? Talk to us a little bit about that. So I think there's never been a better time to look at opportunities in the market in healthcare. And I'll bucket for the purposes of this conversation, life sciences in with healthcare, because it's all now intersected, just as we talked about. There's a lot of overlap and layering. And so I think that's also very exciting and very encouraging and intellectually challenging as well, which is all of a benefit to us. The market is active. I think every company, so if I think back to the number of searches we do on an annual basis, as I mentioned, it's somewhere between 400 400 and 450 globally. It's a lot of jobs and we're only one search firm. There are a lot of different recruiting firms out there. So you can quickly do the math and say, well, there are a lot of people changing jobs. (laughs) But so the fact is the market is active. Everyone's thinking about how am I doing in my current career? Should I be looking at another job? Just think about even this most simple example, everyone who's working at home now can take a call on their cell from a recruiter and not worry about having that conversation openly. I'm not in an office setting. I don't have to worry about my colleagues hearing me. I don't have to sneak out into the hallway or the cafeteria or out to my car in the parking lot to have the call with a recruiter. I can do it in my home environment, in my home office, in front of my computer. I might even get on Zoom or Teams or WebEx and have a face-to-face with a recruiter where you could have never done that, likely could not have done that pre-COVID. So the accessibility to candidates now is very high, and that has helped give people a sense of comfort and peace that it's okay to think about my career. And maybe it's not for, I want to change the job right now, but 
boy, I'd sure like to know what a plan B might look like. So lots of activity, lots of opportunity out there. I think this is probably the first time 2022, now into 2023 soon, where people feel settled with what's happening. Let's call it post-COVID. Now, I know the COVID rules are still in existence in certain markets, and there's still challenges around it. I'm not dismissing that. I just think people have now decided, okay, now I know how I'm going to operate in my day-to-day job. Some of us are hybrid. Some of us are back in the office. Some of us are still fully remote, but now there's a cadence. So now people have the room in their brain to think about, am I in the right job? Am I happiest in my career right now? Should I be looking at something else? How do I get promoted? There are the options for me in my career. So I would say overall, no one should shy away from evaluating their career at this point. It's a perfect time. That definitely resonates. I'm a big planner. And I think you hit the nail on the head there where it's, it might not be today or next month or next year, but it's like, where do you want to be in five years? And then is there gaps? And then how do you bridge maybe your transferable skills or your knowledge or whatever would you would need to get into that different position? And then maybe it takes less than you think that it would. But I like that, like you said, it's, you're especially getting into the tools for that in a workshop and how to really apply that to your position. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't have to be an immediate change. And it could be also a title change. How do I go from senior director to VP to EVP, SVP? How long will it take me to get to the C-suite? Should I be looking for a bigger role and with more responsibility and more direct reports? Should I leave this one company and go to the biggest competitor? Should I change sectors within healthcare? Maybe move my career more into digital health now that I've been in med tech? All those questions, I think, are starting to bubble to the surface. And then it becomes a matter of how do I navigate that? The word that you used earlier, Christina. It's that navigation piece that really, I think, is important for females in our context here as we mm-hmm. try and build our careers, whether we're at the beginning the middle, or even close to the end, it still matters to think about it purposefully and engage in in reflecting and saying, am I where I want to be? And I like that it's also giving a space to have these conversations and encourage. And if you're not comfortable, again, find someone like your firm. If you're, if you don't have anyone to talk about what could my next steps be, I even wrote down on my list of how do I, now I've got, I've been a director for a couple of years. What's the next step? How do you get to a VP? And and I feel like if you don't, I think it's like, you don't write it down. It's a, it's a wish. It's, it's not a goal. So I'm always, mm-hmm. I think that's why it's, it's always, true. yeah. And you want to talk to people and especially it's funny. You mentioned the great resignation and I was, I wanted to get your insights. Like, is this actually happening? And where are people, if, if people are <laughs> like, where are they going? <laughs> and what right. is happening? <laughs> where are all the people? Oh, it's such an interesting tagline. Where are all the people and where are they working? And those who have left, what are they doing? And why aren't I doing that? (laughs) I wish I was smart enough to write the anti-Great Resignation article. And for any (laughs) listener who has the time to really put pen to paper and be a provocative voice out there, I think this is an interesting topic. The Great Resignation in itself I think it did happen. I get it. I see it. We all see it. So it's not that it doesn't exist. I do think there was a lot of hype 
about it. And as a result, a lot of noise in the marketplace. And listen, I've used the term myself when I've <laughs> been speaking with groups. And, and we've all talked about it in the recruiting world because our focus is in people putting people into jobs. So this is a very important topic for us. So I would say, yes, it did happen. It's a real thing. It's not fake news. <laughs> and it was, yeah, okay. But now what does it mean? Well, it means that it is a topic of discussion and it does mean that there's opportunity. So I look at it as, great, it was talked about, it happened, there's a lot of room in the market. If I'm in a particular position now, I know there's opportunity out there for me because of the great resignation. Now that also though brings up the philosophical question for some professionals is, should I be one of those of the great resignation? And I'm not there yet. I'm not feeling like anybody should really hang up the skates yet, unless you're independently wealthy or you're at the very end of your career and you've really achieved the pinnacle of what you want, whatever that title might be. But the great resignation has helped all of us who are still growing in our career and want to advance and expand and consider opportunities. So I'd say the resignation was a friend of ours and it's good that it happened. It was a churn in the marketplace that was probably very necessary. And aren't we all lucky that it happened? I, I think that's great. And then something that you just said, maybe you're looking to set a goal to, to grow in your career or you're looking for something, but for those people that are stuck, like you said, this is actually a good thing that it's happened. And if they're feeling stuck, what can you suggest they can do to mobilize and consider a new role position in life sciences? Yes. I always think people should have a plan B always. And I'm talking about professional plan B <laughs> and it's critical. It's absolutely critical. Even if you're the happiest you've ever been in your career and you're in a job that you're thriving in and you're performing well and you glow and you're so happy to be in that position, in the back of our minds, we should still have a plan B because there are still clinical failures, reorganizations, changes mm -hmm. in leadership, um, exiting of a top leader. And then when a new leader comes in, wants to clean house and bring in their own team, there's all sorts of dynamics that are out of our control. And so having a plan B will give you more confidence that if something should happen, you've already put the effort in and the time in and been planful about what a plan B could look like. So always have a plan B. Um, and let me just also, I'll, I'll put it out there actually, just before I forget it, because I will after a couple minutes, is always take a call from a recruiter because you never know. So even if, again, you're happy, you're thinking this is the best job ever. I love my boss. I love the company. Even if a recruiter calls you, don't ignore them because you might need them someday. So even you could say to somebody like myself, if I called, you could say, Nona, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. It seems to that you've, you found me maybe on LinkedIn. That's great. I'm glad my profile is out there. I'm not looking to make a change. Maybe I can help refer somebody to you. And that relationship starts to get built. And then in six months or a year or two years, when I'm thinking, oh boy, I need a new job. Oh yeah, what about that recruiter that reached out to me? So that relationship actually can become quite fruitful over a long period of time. So I just wanted to get that out there. Oh, no, absolutely. I think, I think that's great. 
I was going to say, tell me more about plan B, what that looks like. So talking to a recruiter when they reach, that's one thing. Is there anything else too, that you can incorporate into a plan B? So I think being engaged and being present and being in the market is important. Now, how do we do that? So that's being at HBA events online. That's going to any HBA events that are in person. That is volunteering to be a speaker or a panelist at an HBA event or any industry event. That is using your network on LinkedIn to look for people whom you know, who you haven't spoken with professionally in two years. Reach out, send a note, say you'd like to reconnect and find out what's going on in their career and just to reconnect professionally and make sure that your contacts are fresh. Setting up a chat with your mentors of the past. All of us have had managers or mentors over the years where we had a relationship. We liked them. They were motivating, inspiring for us. And it's time to get back in touch with all of those and reconnect and have an opportunity to talk about your career. What have you done over the last year or two or even three? And ask them what they have done over the last couple of years with their career. So get engaged with your network. Don't allow the network to be passive and flat. I've even suggested to some people to set a spreadsheet or even a, I'm old fashioned, just write it on a piece of paper, (laughs) 10 companies that you would love to work for. You may have heard about them based on your experience in the industry, whether they're across any of the sectors of healthcare and life sciences and write a list and say, gosh, if I got a call from any of those 10 companies, I'd really like to take that call. I'd love the opportunity to work in a company like that for whatever reason, you know, their culture, you know, their products, their services, you might know their leadership and look at that list and figure out how to build your network that will bring you closer to those companies. And so it does take a little bit of work here because you got to look at your networks. You got to see all the organizations you belong to, including HBA, all the alumni groups that you belong to from college. If you're in corporate settings, there's a plethora of a network sitting right there in companies. And it's really creating those lists and making sure you know who in that list or lists can help me navigate towards some of these companies. And I, so when I say attend and be engaged, I do mean that. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are working from home and not out doing the name tag wine and cheese events, you got to sign up for stuff. you got to be present for stuff. You've got to be on camera, have a voice, be present. And when I say on camera, I actually literally mean that. I think people have to see each other's faces. It's nice to see the name when it comes up before you turn on the camera icon so they see your name, but then they got to see your face. And be present, contribute, ask questions, have a perspective. And so that takes more effort probably than we're used to in the past. So those are just some of the ideas. Yeah, effort and a bit of, no, I don't want to say it's risk. Before I took my current role, I was always overthinking everything I wanted to do on LinkedIn. Should I write this? Should I post this? Should I repost it? And one of the things I do is social media. And so it's helped me. And I find like, we just, just don't overthink it. It's like, it's like you said, you've got to get out there and you've got to engage in conversations on LinkedIn. And I think that there's so many opportunities to engage, or if you see a post, making a comment about it, mm. people can shy away from that. So it's, I think it's like that taking that 
step of confidence of saying I can, and it's important for me to do this. And I'm also like wrote down, reach out to former mentors because I also have next. I'm guilty of that too. And it's, you know, it's like you said, we can't be passive. If, if we want change, we've got to facilitate that for ourselves by being a bit more proactive. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. And it's low risk because you can't really screw that up. It's you're building relationships with people, picking up conversations that may have gone dormant for a period of time for all kinds of reasons. But you have to push yourself, this is for all of us, push ourselves out of the screen and into people's lives and give as much as you take. So again, for referrals, for ideas, being encouraging, helping out with having to listen to somebody else talk about their own career, that reciprocity will help build those relationships, even though they feel like they're so one-dimensional because they are on screen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's why we have our network of women through HBA that we've got your back. So if you're, you've got events and now we're doing some more in person for the virtual, or if you want to reach out to people, everyone is always willing to talk. We've talked a lot about the virtual and some sort of back into person events, but in looking at managing our careers, given this remote hybrid environment, what are some of the important things to consider and to maybe evaluate or reevaluate? It's an important time to know how you work best and where you work best. I think it's very important for all of us to feel confident and clear about those things. So if you did your best work ever in an office setting and you're not in an office setting anymore, we have to fix that. And if it is, oh my God, I'm lonely because I'm at home and I'm working and I only see people on screen and I really miss people and I'm feeling unmotivated about this new setup, we got to change that. So it's a matter of thinking through your career of where did you work best? What did you do when you were at your very best? What did it look like when you were performing your best? And get in touch with that first and foremost. Then you can decide, okay, can I do that given my current job? Is there a way for me to succeed and to be the best I can be professionally given what my circumstance is? And it depends because some people don't want to be back in the office. Some people want to be working from home and vice versa. So you just have to figure out what is best Mm -hmm. for you. And because if it's a struggle, yeah, you can get some coaching. Definitely. You can get some mentorship. You can get some encouragement, there's training. But now we've been doing this for a period of time. Don't forget, this is practically the end of 2020. And we went through this whole transition at the beginning of 2020. So technically, we're coming up on three years of this almost, give or take a few months. (laughs) I'm speeding it up a little bit. But that said, so so you got to be really clear. And if you know that you work best in a particular environment, you need to figure out a way to manufacture your situation so that you can be that. And so you want to also differentiate yourself, which is a difficult thing to do when you're trying to figure out, okay, what is the next job that I want? How much different would I be than the 10 other applicants for that position, whether it's internal in your company or external. And so differentiating yourself is a more difficult challenge now because you're not maybe in the hallways. You're not walking by your boss's office. 
you're not seeing people at events as much as maybe you used to. And so you've got to do it a different way, or maybe you can mix it up a little bit of in-person, a little bit of online, but you have to be present. And this is if you're a scientist, clinical, medical, commercial, R&D, corporate, whatever role you have, it sounds a little simple, but it is getting out of the shell. So I do think it's important that we understand, again, where we work best, because that's where the performance will shine through. And then we have to figure out a way to make sure that you can get that kind of an environment in order to be the most successful you can be. So it takes a lot of thinking, reflection, maybe some feedback, maybe talking to a colleague about it or a trusted mentor or a network contact to just get it out and hear what it sounds like when you talk about it. And sometimes that gives you the clue of, oh, I actually was happiest when I was in an office. And so you got to think through what it is for each of us individually, because I think companies are also still trying to figure this out. Mm. Everyone want to be back? Does nobody want to be back? (laughs) What does it all mean? And so we just have to rise above that and figure out what's best for Yeah, I hear a lot from my pharma colleagues too, is that a lot of them are back in the office or there's like an expectation of, okay, this many days in the office. And we still quite haven't figured it out. I don't think any industry has of what is the next step look like? Is it completely remote? But Mm -hmm. I I like having the networking events where I can see people because it's like, you miss that. But something that you said, and I want to get your feedback, and you'd said this kind of earlier too, about turning your camera on. It was being present because I know a lot of the times people will sign up for the workshops that that we're going to do at HBA and then they'll, something will happen or someone will come to the door or they'll get a text message. So how, what is your advice for people to really make sure that when they're engaging in these things, that they're actually being present? So it's such a good question. And it's so relevant because again, early on, there was a lot of leeway for people to be managing the noise, and I mean that literally, but also figuratively, in (laughs) their lives. Like whether it was because of kids or cats or the house or the office or multitasking or getting the technology to work or figuring out what you look like on Zoom, like all of that was going on at that time. That's past now. We're two and a half coming on three years into this now. So we should know, right? We should know what the rules of etiquette are around Zoom. You should dress and appear as if you would be in the office. Full stop. Mm -hmm. No hoodies, no baseball caps, no jammies, nothing like that. This has to be a level of professionalism and etiquette that we all would have seen in the workplace. That's most important. Mm -hmm. And then right behind that is engagement. And I've done this where I get on a Zoom and I feel, oh God, I got to send out those five emails. I didn't do it last night. I got to do it now. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, I can still hear the speaker. So that's fine. So I start emailing and soon enough, 15 minutes have gone by and I haven't heard what Mm -hmm. the speaker said. And it takes real effort to turn off the phone and focus (laughs) on the desktop to listen to either a speaker or a colleague or a manager or HR or doing a town hall with the CEO and not multitask. Mm -hmm. And the stress levels, it is proven, the stress levels escalate when we multitask. Our whole being starts to fire so rapidly and so quickly. Our eyes, our ears, our hands, our brains, 
it starts to increase heart rate and a little bit of panic because we're trying to get so much done at one time. And so it takes effort to say, for the next half hour, I'm only going to focus what's in front of me. And whether it's an HBA podcast or an, a video event or listening to my manager talk to our team, I'm not going to multitask because I could lose something, could mm-hmm. lose a valuable piece of information or miss something really critical. Also, wildly disrespectful professionally when you're on camera to appear that you're <laughs> on your phone or you are multitasking. Yeah. And so I think we have to be conscious of that and upgrade a little bit on that. And it's hard because productivity is at an all-time pressurized high. Mm. So just thinking of a better way to do it without losing engagement and presence is a trick. And it takes a lot of work, but it will help manage the stress and it will help build better relationships on camera. Absolutely. And I like it because when I switched companies, the company that I'm at, everyone for the most part, will put their camera on. And I didn't realize the impact of doing that until all of a sudden you could see your colleagues and you felt more engaged because you could see people. I know some of our events, a lot of people don't put their camera on. Listeners, if you're coming to the next workshop, I think try, make the effort to put the camera on and stay engaged, ask questions, because it's like you said, you're going to get way more out of that than trying to stress and multitask. It's true. And not to take away from We know that there could be a baby crying in the background or a cat walking across the desk (laughs) or somebody happens to walk behind you and you think, oh my gosh, I forgot there's somebody in the house that's fixing my windows, whatever it might be. Those things are okay. That is the reality. Balancing that with still showing up as professionally as we would in an office setting. That piece, and let me also emphasize if anybody is interviewing for a job internally, or externally, meaning you're looking at another job inside your own company, or you're interviewing for a job in another company, you have to look as if you were showing up at the interview on site. It's critical. I couldn't agree more. And like you said, it's just, it all goes back to being present and showing up. So I'm looking at the time and I want to make sure I get this last question in because this one is the important one, I think for me, because I am going to now ask for all of the insights, tips, tricks, tools, all of it on things like resumes, LinkedIn, we've talked about it, networking, social media, in-person conferences, virtual conference, you know, are things you know, back to normal? Have they changed? And how do our listeners really start to up their game? It's a great question because it did change a lot because the reliance on these tools have increased. So now when I'm looking at a candidate, the first thing I do is look at their LinkedIn profile. And then I might do a Google check. I might look at Facebook. I might look to see if they have been involved in anything like a conference as a speaker, a keynote, a panelist, maybe even an attendee. What associations do they belong to? Does the LinkedIn match the resume? Is there a photo on LinkedIn? I'll tell you a little secret. If there's no photo, you usually end up making a B list versus an A list of candidates because it causes one to say, huh, how come there's no photo there? Now, the opposite of that is also true. And that is if the photo is not professional. And I will never forget 
fellow, <laughs> I, and I say fellow because he, uh, let me put it, self-identified male candidate. Mm-hmm. I looked at the LinkedIn profile and he was clearly on the beach in a straw hat and swimsuit. And it, he was a fairly high level executive. And I thought, really, why? Why do you put that photo on LinkedIn? I can see it on Facebook, no problem. LinkedIn is a professional platform. And so I am so surprised there are still these photos out there that are not reflective of what you're trying to convey in a LinkedIn profile. So -hmm. those little things, they make a difference. Consistency, the language you use in the resume should be the same language you're using in the LinkedIn profile. Titles, years of experience. Where you, when you started your career, where you went to school, all of that should still be on LinkedIn and it should be, again, completely parallel or consistent with your resume. Christina, you mentioned a word earlier that I don't want to forget, and that is um, wordsmithing, I think you had said. It's this idea of, you know what, I think changing the word glad to happy on a resume doesn't change the world. So it's important <laughs> that we don't wordsmith too much. It has to be clear, compelling, concise, has to grab attention has to be a differentiator. You have to present yourself on paper that you are going to be different than all those other applicants. That's important. But spending too much time and getting paralyzed by wordsmithing isn't helpful. So don't overthink the resume, but do spend some time and make sure that it is the very best resume that you can produce. The better way to spend time and energy is on that networking piece. Mm-hmm. Paperwork stuff, we can get that right. Build the relationships. <laughs> Keep the network fresh. Be present for HBA. Be a giver to HBA as much as a taker. Like those types of things bring the people part, the human part, back to business, which is how people get promoted and how they get opportunities for new jobs. Absolutely. And I like that we're creating a network in Canada for HBA. It's so important to have a community of women where you can say, I'm struggling, you do this. What are some of your tips? I think the complacency sometimes that we fall into, like you said, oh, I'm happy. I'm not going to think about what my next steps are or plan B is can happen. We've definitely talked about Mm. a lot. I'm so excited for the workshop, but is there anything else that you wanted to let the listeners know or talk to them about? Give them some last sage advice. Yeah, I guess the one thing that just occurs to me as we're talking about all these things to do, it might sound overwhelming. And I think the best advice I would say is prioritize. And so if you're thinking about a job change imminently, that changes the priority versus a year from now or six months or two years from now. So you have to plan that accordingly. It's very easy to get swept up in our day job, rightly pays our bills, right? So we have to focus on the day job. But If we don't set aside some time to plan for the plan B or to plan for the future, years go by. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to take it all on at once is my point. And you don't have to do all 25 things at one time. Resume, LinkedIn, Google, network, attend, be a speaker, be a moderator. You don't have to do it all at once. Take it a little bit every week or every month. And if you do one thing different, two things different every week or every month. Change will happen. 
and that's what we want to happen. We don't want to have to look back and say, oh, God, I was going to do this back in 2021, and I totally forgot because I got so involved with this and that and work and house. And so being planful, purposeful, and biting it off in small chunks is the way to succeed. The last thing I'll say, and it's probably the most controversial thing I'll say, <laughs> which is either going to be good or bad, is... I know the Canadian culture very well, having grown up and started my career in Canada. And I also know what it's like on the other side of the border. And it is different. And if there's one piece of advice I would have given myself when I was 21, graduating from university was, I'm trying to think, was I in university? Yeah, I guess it was 21, is you got to be brave and bold. You have to be engaged, out there, outspoken in a positive way. I think as Canadians and Canadian female executives, professionals, we do tend to be more passive. That's not a negative. It's just an observation. But I think if we can learn from a bigger market, which is what the U.S. is, just to dial it up a little bit and to be a little bit more assertive. Uh, a little bit more <laughs> confident. And many times it's fake it till you make it sometimes. And I think that advice would be very good for me if I looked back all those years when I was just leaving Calgary. I literally, listeners, that's like a clapping moment because I didn't even realize maybe it's, I mean, I'm clearly in good company then, but I had someone say, Christina, you never talk about all of the great things that you just take on and do. I didn't want to brag or say, and they're like, no, you have to, it's okay yeah. to brag. And it's like you said, it's that it's not aggressive. It's assertive. And I think mm. it's like, how do I always tell joke? I'm like, I wish I could find a course on being assertive because I would be signing mm -hmm. up for that course. <laughs> Cause that is something right. that I'm like not very good at. <laughs> appropriately assertive, right? Yes. And bragging yeah. isn't what we want to do, but we want to showcase our best work, mm. our best accomplishments. And we want people to know where we've succeeded. That's part of the job search. You have to demonstrate that you've been a success, that you are a differentiator or you are differentiated from mm -hmm. others who might have the same level of experience that you do. And so it's not bragging in the negative way. It is promoting yourself assertively. Yes. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Nona. These have been some fantastic insights and advice. For more information, listeners, I'll put it in the show notes as well. It's coulterpartners.com. And for the, I believe it is the end of October, our Career Transitions Workshop, I'll have the registration and link in the show notes as well. Don't forget, HBA Canada LinkedIn profile is a great resource for HBA members who want to keep on top of the industry news, events, and perks. I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I'm your podcast host and HBA regional leader, Christina Bellier. Make sure to connect with me and HBA Canada on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you have a topic in mind or would like to join us in the podcast, let us know. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and please drop us a rate or review. Until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together.